The Matrix is everywhere. It is all around us. Even now, in this very room. You can see it when you look out your window, or when you turn on your television. You can feel it when you go to work, when you go to church, when you pay your taxes. It is the world that has been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth. give you one piece of advice be honest he knows more than you can imagine what are you trying to tell me that i can dodge bullets no trying to tell you that when you're ready Stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. I know you're out there. I can feel you now. I know that you're afraid. You're afraid of us. You're afraid of change. I don't know the future. I didn't come here to tell you how this is going to end. I came here to tell you how it's going to begin. I'm going to hang up this phone. And then I'm going to show these people what you don't want them to see. I'm going to show them a world without you, where anything is possible. Where we go from there is a choice I leave to you. Ah, the Matrix. Yes, the Matrix analogy on the ASI show. Welcome. This is Attitudes of Sexual Integrity, episode 58. I am your host, Russ Shaw. Welcome. Uh, The Matrix. Matrix was a film that came out in 1999, rated R for violence. I wanted to, uh, you know, if you're a recovering evangelical, I want you to listen because this is going to be tough for you. I I realize that. I'm trying not to, you know, I'm really trying to love on the uh, churchy people and I don't 
I want you to understand. Here's the deal. Here's the thing about the matrix that is so important. The matrix is about Jesus. The matrix is about the gospel. Now, if you have been to uh, church service after church service, maybe you're a pastor, uh, worship leader, maybe you've been to all the seminars, you've gone to the retreats, you've gone to the... Uh, uh, you know, all the conferences and you still are stuck. You still don't have this fulfill, fulfilled feeling that, uh, you know, you're addicted to porn. The Matrix, the analogy in this film will help you understand what's underneath that. Why all these things that you're trying to stuff in from the outside aren't working for you. So I want you to, to watch the film if you haven't yet. I'm going to encourage you to do that. All right, now, oh, this is the world, Russ. No, the world is all that stuff that you're trying to stuff in from the outside that King Solomon would say in Ecclesiastes that are under the sun. That's all vexation of spirit. I'm going to get underneath that. This film is a beautiful example, an illustration of the world that's going on underneath what we see that's under the sun. So, understanding that I'm talking to two crowds today, let me address the rest of you uh, who've seen the movie and probably seen it several times. I'm going to let you see it with new eyes. Uh, I wanted to thank uh, Pastor Rick Thiessen for he did a sermon series on the Matrix, and it was uh, it was gutsy, man. It was a gutsy move for a pastor to do a sermon series on the Matrix. So my hat's off to him, and he pointed out some things in the film that helped me really understand the gospel as a guy who grew up in church all his life and never really got it. Uh, also, me understanding addiction. Um, also, this film talks about that, I believe, for me, which is a part of the gospel as well. Jesus came to set the captives free. Rick was talking about uh, a few things in the film that most people don't see. Like, number one was uh, the first line in the film is Neo is working on some disc or something and hands it to this guy, knocks at the door, and Neo hands this disc to this guy, and the guy goes... Jesus Christ, man, you're my savior. Okay, now that sounds like taking the Lord's name in vain and all that stuff, but there's something underneath that. It's the first line in the film, all right? It's about something deeper. So watch the film, all right? The vessel, the, the ship that they travel in, in the Matrix, is called the Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar was a king in the Old Testament book of Daniel, uh, which I believe is a uh, like the Matrix. I think the film was was based off of this uh, book of the Bible. If you read it, I believe that King Nebuchadnezzar was the vehicle for Daniel to um, use his faith in a way that uh, would blow people's minds. Okay. In the beginning of my intro there, Neo says, Are you saying I can dodge bullets? And Morpheus says, I'm saying, if you really understand who you are, you, you won't have to. For me, that is relapse. Dodging bullets is, is relapse. All the relapses. Getting underneath that. Trying not to get too redundant here, uh, 
I'm going to talk about the three layers of identity, um, which I did an episode about uh, 10 episodes back. I believe it's uh, 40... 46 or, or something like that. I can't remember. I don't have them in front of me. You go to the website ASI247.org or iTunes and you will uh, you will see the episode, um, the three layers of identity. Um, the first layer being your surface identity, what people see you. They see your appearance. They know your job, how much money you have. All that stuff is surface. Second layer is your subconscious identity. Uh, cultural conditioning, uh, how you grew up as a kid, stuff like that. The third layer is what the Matrix touches on when Neo takes the, uh, the red pill. And that is this spiritual life that you do have. You are a worshiper, whether you like it or not, but you get to see behind the curtain, behind the scenes, uh, the, the things that are invisible, the things that are unseen, eternity. So in the film, Neo takes the red pill instead of the blue pill. And I love that line, uh, I'll show you how far the rabbit hole goes. Right after that, Morpheus says, all I'm offering is the truth, nothing more. That is a picture of, of salvation, understanding salvation, all right? Now, if you're not a Christian, I know you may be having a hard time with this. Stick with me here, all right? I'm not trying to shove the Jesus pill down your throat. I'm really not. I want you to understand truth. I don't want you to... C.S. Lewis said this. He said, I don't want you to understand Jesus because he'll make you a good person, all right? I want you to understand Christianity because it's true. Okay, and I'm going to unpack that for you. I'm going to ask you to have an open mind. And uh, I'm trying to set your mind free. Okay, that's a big part of this. Open-minded thinking, you know, has not been a, a Christian, a good Christian thing for a couple of hundred years. I'm saying that it's healthy to have an open mind. It really is. Then you can see truth. But in order to do that, taking the red pill is what Neo had to do first. And then, you know, you start to see sin in a different way. The Bible says Jesus gives us a new heart. All right? You get a new heart, a heart of, of flesh, a heart that's uh, softer, a heart that's not stony and hard. And that is, you know, Neo being unplugged from the Matrix. He gets unplugged from the Matrix and he gets, you know, birthed out of this thing. And, and uh, they lay him on this table and he goes, why are my muscles, I, I can't even lift my arms and what's wrong with my muscles? And they're like, uh, you've never used them before. Okay, as soon as you get this new heart, um, you know, some people get transformed quickly and some people it takes some time. And I did some series of shows on, on getting on the treadmill and working out your heart. That's what this is about. Okay, you're, you're going to use muscles. Once you understand your own sin and your own depravity, I don't know how you've got to this place where you're listening to my voice right now, but here's the deal. You, you, your recovery is going to require you to use muscles you've never used before. 
living out of your heart first, third level, plugging into that, understanding what that means is what I'm going to try and and unpack for you today. So I'm going to go back in time to, uh, today is the 19th of February, I'm going to go back in time to uh, when I started talking about the subject, which was Valentine's Day. And the funny thing is, I hadn't decided to use the Matrix as an analogy for the concept of a loan until um, all the Bible verses that came to my head had to do with this film. So, check it out. Here you go. I'm going to talk about a very intense, complex, deep, and weighty subject known as a loan. This is one of the most weighty episodes I have done yet. As you're hearing my voice, it is... February 14th, 2008. Here in the States, we call it Valentine's Day. Uh, I don't know if you guys have Valentine's Day all over the world, but uh, different places I've heard, it's it's hard telling. But basically, we celebrate uh, being in love. Couples... <clears throat> we give out hearts and we we do uh, Valentine's roses and, and chocolates boxes of chocolates touching sentimental cards are given out on Valentine's Day and I'm starting this episode which is ironic starting it today and talking about it today but I need to talk about it I've told a lot of you in emails that I was going to do this show a long time ago even before I uh, I did my big confession and took a, a year off or nine months or ten months or whatever it was but this show is about being alone and the ramifications of that I think you already know maybe you do, maybe you don't I don't know I, I this, this subject is so incredibly difficult to talk, to talk about because <clears throat> it's just like where do I start man it is a huge subject it is a overlooked subject, it is a massively overlooked subject. It is the iceberg Titanic that nobody sees and crashes into. It's that big. It's that weighty. It's that invisible to some folks. So where do I start? Thinking about uh, alone and being alone... I have realized that it is a system, okay? It is a system much like uh, a circuit board, um, for example. 
this is just tough to try and wrap your get you to wrap your head around so that you'll understand it. If I if I put it in the in the context of a circuit board, maybe that will help you understand. Uh, a pastor named was it Doug Paddett, I think it was his name. He read a book called um, The Biography of Albert Einstein for Non-Mathematicians. And he talked about how <clears throat> how basically the rules of, of you know, E equals MC square and the rules of matter and time, they all had the same properties outside of our planet, right? Like outside of the Earth in space gazillion miles away on some star someplace are the same parameters, the same properties, the same laws of physics that are that are here on this world. So when I talk about the Bible, when I talk about spiritual stuff, I want you to realize and I want you to try and understand that you there is a spiritual side to life. There is a, a whole world that is unseen to your naked eye. There is a spiritual world. You do have a spiritual life, whether you know it or not. And a huge part of an awakening of that spiritual life is realizing that you are not alone. That you're never really alone. God is there always right next to you watching you throughout your life and we can get jacked up by you know what does that mean I've had a lot of pain in my life I, I don't get it if he's a kind loving God why are things so effed up right so we struggle with uh, with our place we struggle with why we're here at this point in time, at this point in history. Why did God make us? Why are we behind our eyes? The system of alone is understanding that it's a half spiritual battle. I've talked about a lot in this show, uh, psychology, uh, Freud modern-day psychology is built on guys like Freud, right? Um, that's half of it, okay? I want you to understand that that's half of it, that your thought process, the chemicals running through your mind, um, being alone. Like, if you're in a crowd of people, are you still alone? Yeah, you can be still alone. I was. I loved having people around me, man. I like going to parties. I like being around people. I, I've always been fascinated with people. I'm in sales because I, I enjoy people. I think people are fun. People as creatures are are fun, and they're hilarious, and they're fun to watch. They really are. I, you sit around and watch people. They're just amazing creatures to watch. If Neo, the main character in The Matrix, asks Morpheus, what is The Matrix? And Morpheus says, it's the world that's pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth. Neo says, the truth of what? Morpheus says that you're a slave. 
you're born into slavery and you live in a prison for your mind. That is part of being alone. Understanding we're half spirit and we're half flesh. C.S. Lewis said we're amphibian as creatures. Half animal and half spiritual creature. You will live on a lot longer than this body of yours will. And sure, we could get into exotology and go into that and how we'll have a new body someday and all that's all that's beyond what I'm trying to get you to understand about this, this concept, this prison that you're in, this understanding how alone you are. That addiction, addiction is a form of, of worship. And I, and I think, you know, and I've said this a lot of times, and getting you to understand the realm of alone is, is to understand that a lot of you addicts, what's been called the addictive personality, you have a very sensitive soul to the prison that you're in, to, the, to this world that you're in, to the, the stuff all around you. And I think that addictives, they'll call us psychologists are actually extremely spiritual people and we are so incredibly spiritually sensitive that sometimes in order to crowd out the pain in order to keep us safe in our own space and that place inside of us that wants to be safe that we are so sensitive that we just want to turn up the noise as not to hear it and in an elusive way of, of trying not to be alone, sometimes really alone, really silent, when my crazy active brain starts to slow down. I can actually hear, I can actually feel the cry of my heart, the cry of my soul. You take the blue pill, the story ends, you wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. You take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. That line from The Matrix and I love the movie. It's a great analogy. It's a great metaphor for the spiritual world that's all around us. And that line is about the mystery of what Jesus called being born again. I think a purely religious, surfacy religious uh, action of that is the sinner's prayer just repeating the sinner's prayer for the fact of, you know, here, just say this prayer and you'll be saved. Um, you know, it, it's deeper than that. Uh, being saved is, is, a, is a thing that uh, that's understanding 
not being alone. Now, uh, getting a lot of new listeners to the show. Uh, ratings are back up as this is being recorded. Uh, ASI is the number one show of addiction on iTunes and keyword addiction, which is the largest largest music seller in the world. Um, I don't say that to toot my horn or to, to boast of myself, but basically the reason I tell you that is, is to point out that uh, I try and keep first things first on this show, okay? I am a Christian uh, I talk about Jesus, all right? First things first, this is about Jesus. Uh, most people don't understand that. Like I said about the evangelicals who are having a hard time with me uh, talking about this movie, the reason you're addicted to porn is that you don't understand that Jesus is number one, that Jesus is first, that Jesus is what it's really all about. Okay, that's why. And I'm going to try and unpack that for you. I'm going to do that with love. I'm trying to speak the truth in love to you. Because the, the evangelicals who um, have a hard time with my kind of edgy persona here are, are the ones that, uh, the ones that are, they're listening, which is good. But at the same time, I have the hardest time with you. I really do. Because I was basically... Uh, I was basically told I was dirty and tainted by a lot of uh, well-meaning, I guess, Christian folks. I think they were, I don't know, you know, I'm not going to go into that here. But uh, that's what I'm trying to unpack for you, that it's really about Jesus. I'm just exposing you to the truth. I'm not trying to hurt you. I'm not trying to shame you. I know that a lot of you, a lot of you have been learned some really jacked up stupid theology that you just have a bad taste in your mouth about religion. Well, guess what? Join the club. I do too. I do too. I wanted to put a plug in, speaking of religion, uh, for Mars Hill Church in Seattle. This show is not affiliated with Mars Hill, just so you know. Uh, I'm not a member of Mars Hill. I am actually considering as this is being recorded, becoming a member at Mars Hill Church. Now, I agree with their theology tremendously. Mark Driscoll, a listener to this show, actually turned me on to Mark Driscoll. He said, you sound a lot like Mark Driscoll. I'm like, who's Mark Driscoll? I'll check this guy out. So I downloaded some of the podcasts. It's at marshillchurch.org. Or if you uh, search Mark Driscoll or Mars Hill Church Seattle, in iTunes, you'll you'll come up with Mars Hill Church. I'm on the same page theologically with with uh, Mark Driscoll and a, a guy named Matt Chandler in Texas. I've listened to a lot of his stuff as well. Uh, the, theologically, and, and theology is important, man. It it just is. It is because there's something deeper going on than just you eating a cracker and, and drinking some grape juice and you know, getting dunked in the water and showing up on Sunday. And is there something very much deeper going on than that? Because the echo of emails I've got from the past have been this, I'm alone and I'm not happy about it. I have this thing that's controlling me. I don't control it any longer. 
or maybe I just like it, you know? I mean, there's people that really don't understand addiction, and I think that's the biggest step. You go to the 12 steps, that is number one step. Admit you have a problem. It is tough. It is pride-swallowing to say, I have this thing, I've tried to stop doing it before, and I keep returning to it. King Solomon would say in the Proverbs, like a dog to his throw-up. That is addiction. And it is realizing how alone we are. That other side of us, that spiritual side of us, is inside of this body, this, this body that has an appetite for staying alive, for staying safe, for being fed. And then there's that spiritual side of us that is starving and trying to stay alive. And the clash of the two is that mystery, that mystery that's in the Bible. A lot of people don't understand the Bible because they read it on a surface level, trying to understand the surfacey things and the, the story on the surface when it is so far deeper than that. That's why there's Bible colleges, all right? You can take a class and you know, get a four-year degree in theology just trying to understand that book because it is that deep. So I wanted to put a plug in for MarshillChurch.org. Uh, Mark Driscoll is doing this series called um, Religion Saves and Nine Other Misconceptions. Basically what it is is they had uh, a bunch of people email in questions that that he would answer, you know, stuff that, that you could ask him and he would answer. And that's what he's going through is the top nine questions that were asked on the website. There's also a Q&A on the podcast where people text, use text message to text, text in questions, people that are in the audience. And there's about, you know, four or 5,000 people there. Uh, this is at 8.30 at night in Seattle, which is the most unchurched city in the, in the country, in the United States. And there's a lot of, a lot of people being reached in that city for Jesus because uh, of basically the theology of being real and not getting ourselves in some Christian ghetto and uh, actually living out life in the real world, okay? Not some, uh, okay, we're over here and this is religion and it's over there and, and it's, you know, that's not what God is about. That's not what Jesus is about. In my theology on this show, and I'll challenge you with this, if you don't believe in, in you know, if you don't have a faith or you kind of a grab bag religious idea, you know, or whatever religion, you know, pick one and that's fine. Um, I'm going to challenge you with, with who Jesus is and the realm of reality. And that's on a deep spiritual level. I love a, a businessman named Lee Iacocca. Had a quote from him which I, which I thought was awesome. And this is something that uh, about me with Christ. If you want to get underneath the whole idea of, of the way I do recovery, 
it's more like the first century church than some kind of a new age religious idea, okay? But basically what Lee Iacocca said was the main thing in life is to keep the main thing the main thing. The main thing for me is Jesus. That Jesus is my Savior. And the main thing Jesus saves me from is myself. Jesus saves me from me. What does that mean, Russ? Like, you know, I've heard religion can be like a crutch, you know, a crutch that people use when everything they can't do is anything right and they're just uh, all bogged down, so they choose Jesus because Jesus will save them from themselves. Is that what you mean, Russ? No. No, that's not what I mean. That's deeper than that. And I agree with that. There's a lot of people that do get religion because they need it to save them from whatever right and that can be level two which is just kind of instruction psychology religion I heard a guy talking about meditation where just uh, you know removing everything from your mind and you know focusing on nothing and counting your breath and, and I can't do that my mind doesn't work that way I've tried several times I can't meditate like that you know, I can clear my mind and think about a field. I can see the grass blowing. I can see the trees waving in the wind. But for me to clear my mind and think about nothing is just a, a fine religious thing for some people. Some people can do that. That's great for them. Other people can't. Jesus can save us from all of that, okay? And that's getting deep. Now, here's what I mean by that. Here's what I mean by level three, which is the spiritual part of your heart. That is the world that Morpheus wants to show Neo in that scene with the, the blue pill and the red pill. I want to show you a world that they don't want you to see. That's the last line in the movie. I'm going to show them a world that you don't want them to see. like Jesus talking to the devil, you know. That's level three. That is your spiritual heart. That is who you are underneath it all. Because here's the hardness of heart, and I think you can be a religious person, you can pray all the time, and you can still have this. Like, here's, here's hardness of heart. Leave me alone. Leave me alone. Get away from me. Get out of me. Go away. Leave me alone. You don't know me. How can you say that about me? You don't even know me. Leave me alone. Leave me alone. It is a wall. It is a shell. It's a rock hard crustacean around the heart and soul that says get out no trespassing you ain't coming in here this is your, this is a tender part of who I am and you're not allowed how do we understand how to get out of that attitude, man. I'm struggling with that still. I still go into shutdown mode, you know? I'm sitting there with my notebook computer and the battery started to go dead and all of a sudden, boom, hibernate.
freaking windows closes down and everything's shutting down so the computer can hibernate and I won't lose my information. I do that in my heart. And I don't care who you are. You can be the most devout religious person and you can be the most rebellious rock and roll person. And you can still have that attitude down in your heart deep. Leave me alone. It's another reason I like The Matrix because it shows this great picture of this analogy to this world that we don't see. This invisible world that's all around us that we don't even acknowledge. We don't even see it. There's uh, the book of Daniel, which is a lot of what The Matrix is, is based on, I, I believe, the pulling back the curtain. The book of Daniel is God pulling back the curtain of time and space and showing you a glimpse inside of what's going on behind the scenes that you don't see. John Eldridge, in his book, Waking the Dead which is on my book list, by the way, ASI247.org. Click on the books link and, and read that book. You want to get a deeper understanding of what I'm talking about. He says, The glory of God is a man or woman fully alive. Did you get that? The glory of God. Your purpose is to glorify God. That's why God made us. Not because he was lonely. I know that that's, some people teach that, but uh, no. It, it we're to glorify God. That's what we were built for. And this whole matrix analogy is, is summed up in, in uh, the book of Romans, uh, chapter 8, starting in 18. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. The creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. For the creation was subject to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected to it. In hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage of decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. The whole creation is groaning for the spiritual awakening of human beings. We are the dominant species of animal on this earth. God created us to glorify Him. He created us with the power to create, to love deeply. One more person, understanding, becoming, becoming spiritually awakened. Marsfield Church in Seattle, there's a, a song that the band sings there, and it talks about the trees are reaching up in, in, in hope that one more would understand the gospel, that we would be awakened, that, that creation's groaning for, for a reawakening of, of, 
of people. And that is what repentance is. That is what being born again means. All right? It's not some magic prayer that you pray and it's going to, you know, Jesus is going to sprinkle fairy dust on you and you're going to magically not sin anymore. No, it's understanding how deep our our sinking into alone is. The, the, the science of alone, the, the understanding how alone we are, the, 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 the whole... Uh, the whole philosophy of being born again, Jesus talks about quite a few times. And basically what it is, is understanding that God made us for his glory. And he's after our joy. And sin is not some bad thing you do. It's not just that. That's part of it, yeah. But sin is an infection that's in your soul. All right? I've said it before. I've said it a thousand times. Your behavior is not the effect infection. Your behavior is not the disease. Your behavior is a symptom of the disease. God made you for a purpose as an individual. I pray that you get that. I pray that you have ears to hear that being alone is is deep you can be in a, in a crowded room and be alone or you can just avoid people altogether so you can stay alone and it's not just people it's God we're trying to turn up the noise we're trying to do whatever it takes to either please him or piss him off so that we can you know, not have to be alone when, when God's calling us to him deeply and in the deep parts of our heart, God is calling us to him. Come to me, understand me, love me. I love you. I'm reaching for you. There's a Puritan philosophy that says that God's love warms some people's hearts and they melt like butter before him. You know, they just melt into them and like butter. And then there's some people who God's love shines on them and they harden like clay. And I'm not sure I really agree with that philosophy. I think that that is a, uh, maybe a surfacey, psychological, philosophical thing that doesn't go deep enough under the, uh, the acknowledgement of being alone. Because as a guy who had a hard heart for a long time, I, I understand that repentance is recovery, okay? Meaning that my, my alone heart, my, my lonely heart, even though I was married, didn't show my wife all of my hurts, my pains, my fears, that's alone. Okay? Not being able to be real, not being able to expose who I really am way deep inside to my wife. I was alone. So, 
that's why you know group changed my life so much the the marriage group the men's groups um, because I started to realize that I had a voice and that I wasn't alone that that hard part of my heart was hard because I was alone because I never talked about why it hurts where it hurts how God wronged me I thought you know that's why I talk about getting like David in the Psalms. Because David, when he felt alone, he would reach for God in his pain. I mean, scriptures like crush, you know, crush my enemies and smash the heads of their children, stuff like that, you know. I mean, that's, that's hard-hearted talk, right? But he would press into God with those thoughts, instead of staying alone. And that's understanding on David's part that he was not alone. Even when he's by himself in his own thoughts, he wasn't alone. I love the police's song, every breath you take, every move you make, I'll be watching you. That's like God singing a song to me. I know all the lyrics aren't, aren't all up with that. You know, God singing that song to me or you. It's a, it's a relationship song, but at the same time, like I said before, every love song can be related to God's love for us as well. Every move you make, every breath you take, every smile you fake, every oath you break, I'll be watching you. And that's not with a, with a hand open ready to smack you when you're bad, okay? He's watching you because he loves you. He loves you and he's reaching for you. So, the action step for this week, for this time, for this episode is watching um, your addiction to being alone, okay? Uh, addiction, I don't know. Here's the deal. If, if alone is the system, right? If alone is the circuit board, if alone is the machine, fear is its operating system. Fear is its energy. Fear is the thing that fuels it, that runs it, that, that the system that keeps the monster of alone alive. It's fear. The fear of being known. So if you don't have a counselor, well, I'm in a city or I'm, I'm overseas. I got an email. I'm overseas. Not a lot of people speak English here. Uh, what do I do? Um, just do whatever it takes to not be alone and to kill the fear of being known. The fear of being known is, is the big fear. The fear of being known in your heart, not just your struggle, okay? But who you are as a person, down deep, okay? It's not just your job. It's not just your surface. I struggle with porn, even that. And that's a little deeper than most people know about, but even deeper than that, who are you? Be known. That's your action step this week. Get known. Kill the fear of being known. And that's going to be, you know, my first installment of this uh, alone talk.
because it's a lot to say. It's a lot to wrap your mind around. It's a lot to think about. I encourage your emails. My name is Russ at ASI247.org. I'd love your input on this uh, topic of a loan. I want you to think about it. I want you to uh, send me email on it. And, and understand that the truth is me surrendering my pride. I want, I need my wife's love more than I'd like to admit. I need her to put her arm around me to to grab me. I need her to accept me. I need her to accept me deeply. And I love her. And that acceptance that I crave, that my hungry soul craves underneath all of my pushing back and my attitudes and my identity underneath all of that is this little boy going do you accept me? do you love me? Part of, of not being alone is understanding how evil you are at the core of who you are. I know that's not a popular idea and we're all postmodern and we like to think happy thoughts of ourselves. But the facts are that, that evil is not out there, okay? Uh, sure it is, but I'm talking in the realm of you getting out of not being alone is to understand that the evil you battle 99% of the evil you're going to battle is comes from right behind your own eyes. Do you understand that? It's not out there. That's a habit you have. That's a habit of looking at the other person and, you know, I could look at my wife and I could just take apart all of the things that I think that's wrong about her, you know? That's, that's another part of evil. I become a Pharisee. I love my wife tremendously. I have an enormous heart for my wife. I love her. No matter what, I love her. But the evil in me wants to take my eyes off of myself and totally pick her apart and see how she needs to change, how my kids should change, how that guy at work should change. If everybody would just get their act together, I wouldn't be so unhappy. No. That's not how it works. You're alone because you do not understand that happiness comes from behind your own eyes. Life really is 20% the stuff that happens to you and 80% how you react to it. Understanding that, you understand how you're not alone. I'm going to close in prayer and I'm going to play a tune by a band called Nemesis Army. Getting outside of being alone. The song's called Perfect. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your sacrifice on the cross. 
I thank you that you bought us back from all our own depravity. I thank you for not leaving us alone. I thank you that I can reach for you in the times when I've totally screwed up my whole life and you come with arms wide open to love me. To love me when I've fallen down like a three-year-old trying to walk. You have that kind of heart for me, Lord, and I... And I I am awestruck by your grace. Awestruck. Thank you. Jesus' holy and beautiful name, amen. This has been ASI Attitudes of Sexual Integrity. The website is asi247.org. listening. Maybe your dreams have been shattered. Maybe you're in a very dark place right now. You've lost a relationship. 
And I'm saying maybe, just maybe, you've been brought to this place so that you can awake, so that you can come out of your cocoon. I know you're out there. I can feel you now. I know that you're afraid. You're afraid of us. You're afraid of change. I don't know the future. I didn't come here to tell you how this is going to end. I came here to tell you how it's going to begin. <laughs>